Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021 at last. We have made it. And I'm sure you're thankful that we've made it for many reasons. Um, I know some people are probably thankful that no longer can pastors use uh, 2020 vision puns, uh, which is a bit of a shame because today I'm going to be sharing uh, our, our a vision message for 2021. I'm going to be giving you a big picture look at where we've been as a church and where we're going for the year ahead. And I want to start by sharing a story that I heard recently with a Another pastor who I listen to a lot named John Tyson, um, he shared a story about the Japanese tsunami from 2011, and some of you will remember it, but um, on March 11th, 2011, a 9.1 earthquake struck 236 miles northeast of Tokyo. It was the most powerful earthquake in Japanese history, and it was so powerful that it was Uh, It was felt in the fjords of Norway and all the way down in the ice sheets of Antarctica. And the earthquake was was devastating, as you can imagine, but but the real problem wasn't the earthquake. I mean, Japan has had earthquakes before. They build their buildings to a very high standard, so so it wasn't as devastating as it might have been in other places in the world. But what was really devastating was the tsunami that was triggered by the earthquake. And a few, not long after the earthquake subsided, a tsunami rolled into the east coast of Japan, bringing with it 30-foot-high waves. And that water went, overcame the, many of the, the sea walls and the tsunami barriers that they had, and in some, at some places went over six miles inland and reached over 128 feet above sea level at points. It just wiped out whole communities. I'm sure many of you remember the footage of seeing that those waves just sweep over the uh, sea walls that were there to keep out the the the, the um, tsunamis that they've had in the past. But it just totally overran all their defenses. And you remember cars bobbing along in the water. It was a horrific scene. And the death toll between the earthquake and the tsunami combined uh, amounted to 18,000 people. And to further complicate matters, the tsunami caused a leak at a nuclear power plant there in Japan. So it was a disaster on multiple levels. And in the midst of all this, uh, one of Japan's most famous musicians, uh, a man named Ryuki Sakamoto, was looking at the devastation of his country and trying to figure out what he could do as an artist to help it come to terms with what had happened. Now, you may not know who Sakamoto is, but he is a, he's, a, he's one of Japan's national treasures. He's a composer who put together, he did the soundtrack for The Last Emperor. He did the soundtrack for The Revenant. And he is just very well known. He's, run, he's won Oscars. He's won uh, Golden Globes. He's won a Grammy. So he's very well known in Japan. And, and at the time, they were making a documentary about his life. Well, as this documentary unfolded, it, it, there's, a, there's a scene in there where it shows him on a bus, and he's in the, in the immediate aftermath of the tsunami, and you don't really know where he's going at first. 
And as he's riding along in this bus, a narration comes over, and it, and it begins to tell the story of how it, when the floodwaters came into this one uh, city in northeastern Japan, um, that, that they'd flooded into all these different buildings, and uh, in one place, a piano had been, a grand piano had been lifted up and was floating on the water. And then when the waters receded, it, it wound up on the stage of the hall that it was in. And Sakamoto was on his way to see this piano. He, he, he wanted to go and, and view it for himself. And so, so it shows him as he arrives in this hall and his guide brings him in. And he, he, I think we have a picture of it here, but he brings him in and he shows him where the water line had come up to. And the, the, the piano had literally just been lifted off the ground by the water and then put on this stage. <laughs> And Sakamoto walks up with almost this sense of reverence as he approaches the piano, and, 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 he, and he sits down in front of it, and, and the guy says, and, and Sakamoto says, I, I want to hear the sound that comes from this piano. I've come to hear the sound. And the man says, well, listen, it's warped, it's, it's, all, it's bent, it's, it's, it's all out of tune, it's not going to sound very good. He said, I don't care. I've come to hear the sound of this piano. And so he gently puts his hands on the keys, and this hush falls over the room as they anticipate what sound is going to come from this piano at the, under the hands of this master musician. And I love this image because I think it's such a, a powerful example or, or a metaphor of what we've been through over the last nine months. Um, I think for so many of us, we have, we have felt our lives that have, have just been kind of consumed by this uh, tsunami of a pandemic that is, has washed through. And, and that's actually, you know, when I was praying about, about this, the pandemic last fall, I was just thinking about it, praying about it, and I, and I got this picture in my mind of a tsunami. And, and in my mind, I was kind of seated up high watching it, and, and these waves came washing in, and they were causing destruction to certain things. They were damaging certain things. They were washing some things out to sea, and they were bringing new things in. And I think for many of us, that's been our experience for this last year. We've, some things have been damaged. Some things have been just completely lost. You know, some things, you know, maybe we've lost experiences or holidays or graduations. Maybe we've lost loved ones. Uh, some things have been damaged. You know, maybe we've lost jobs. Maybe we've, we've, we've had things that, you know, we've lost freedoms. We've lost things that we were looking forward to. Or, or maybe our health has been damaged or our finances have been damaged. But in other ways, it's washed in new things. It's, it's brought in new things that we didn't expect that have emerged from all of this. And I think for our church, that has been the experience as well. We've, we've seen some things damaged, we've seen some things washed away, and we've seen new things emerge. And I think, as I have thought through this last year, I, I, I really see that there's been, you know, yes, there's been damage, yes, there's been loss, but the good thing is there's been so many new things that have emerged and, and so much to give thanks for that, that we didn't expect when 2020 began. We had all kinds of plans for 2020, but nothing really panned out, as I'm sure it was for many of you, things didn't pan out the way that we expected it to. 
You know, when it became clear that, the, that, that the, this pandemic was going to have a massive effect on the world, I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, I wonder if our church is going to survive this. But I've been so encouraged as, as I've taken this past week to really think through the year, all the ways that God has been faithful to us as a church and all the ways that, that you all have risen up in the midst of all the challenge and all the difficulty to bring uh, to, to bring a whole new way of doing church. You know, we had to move everything online, as, as you well know. And, that, and unless you were, like, intimately involved with that, it's hard to appreciate how challenging and difficult that is. And we had all kinds of people, you know, we had people giving so that we could buy new equipment. We had people working hard to kind of figure everything out and get everything up and running. We had a team of editors, mostly based in Singapore and Malaysia, who were editing our services, spending hours of their free time putting our services together. Uh, students that are a part of this church normally, but had gone back home for the, for, during the pandemic, and they just said, hey, we'll, we'll help. We'll still be a part of the church by, by editing these services. And as a result, we got to continue to meet together and gather online. We got to hear from different leaders in the body of Christ uh, who, who we would never have heard from otherwise. We got to reach people who we would never have reached, people that would never come to church, whether it's because they just church isn't a part of their life or they, maybe they don't live in the city or people that aren't well enough to come to church. All kinds of people got to tune in who never tuned in before. And then we realized, man, this, is, this makes all kinds of things possible. And we started doing different forms of equipping online. Ian mentioned a few of them earlier, but we started doing things like the marriage course and, and the prayer course. We did an online alpha course, and we're getting ready to do an online parenting course. We did online Bible studies. We had online life groups, which to my amazement have thrived in the midst of this pandemic. It's one of the things that I've been most surprised by and encouraged by is how well our small groups have grown and, and flourished in the midst of this time. We've seen a couple people give their lives to Jesus as a result of the things that we're doing online, which is so exciting that, that people, you know, through Alpha and some of the correspondence outreach that we do, have, have made the decision to follow Jesus. I think that's incredible. And we've seen, uh, we've had the opportunity to serve the community. We gave to the S6 food bank during the spring. And, and then in the, uh, as we rolled around here to uh, Christmas, as Ian mentioned at the beginning, we gave to the uh, social supermarket. And, you know, we set a goal of 1,000 pounds, and you guys blew that out of the water. You more than doubled it. Was it 2,400 pounds? Is that right? 2,400 pounds is what we took in, and I'm so encouraged at your generosity. I just want to say, way to go, church. It's a way of serving and blessing the poor and the needy that are really needing it right now in our city. So you guys gave generously, and I'm so, so thankful for that. So all these new things have emerged, but the question is, what is God, the question I keep asking myself is, God, what are you doing in the midst of all this? What are you doing in the midst of this pandemic? What, what, what's happening in our church? What's happening in the church worldwide? Is there a way that you're using this? And, and to, to go back to that scene with, the, with uh, Sakamoto there at the piano, the question I think that, that God is asking us is, is what, what sound is going to come out of our community when the master puts his hands on, the, on our keys. What sound is going to emerge out of this church? I mean, our little church has, has somehow survived 2020. <laughs> we didn't know if that would happen, but we somehow survived, and we managed to make progress that we never expected. 
And now here we are. We've kind of floated onto the stage of, of world history. And, and, it's, and the, the question is, you know, even though we're warped, even though there's broken things, things that, that aren't as we would like for them to be, what sound is going to emerge from us? And so as I ask this question, God, what are you doing? What, what are you doing in our church? What are you doing worldwide? I, I, I had this phrase come to mind. And if you've been around church, this is a, an oldie. But I, I had the phrase deep and wide come to mind. Now, I thought about singing the old kid's song, but Lauren told me not to do that. So I'm not going to do that for you this morning. But I believe God is calling the church or causing the church to go deeper and wider than ever before. Deeper and wider than ever before. And this isn't the first time in history, church history, that, that God has caused that to happen. And I want to look this morning at, at how God did something very similar, I think, with the early church in Acts. And in Acts 2, 42 to 47, the passage is very familiar if you're around here at Antioch at all. Um, there's this great account of the early church and how it operated. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And just pausing it right there, just think about what they're doing. They're devoting themselves to three things. They're devoting themselves to the Lord's teaching. They're devoting themselves to, to the disciples' teaching because they're learning a whole new way of life. They're learning how to live as Christians. They didn't have the Bible as we do right now. They had these disciples who had lived with Jesus teaching them how to live the Christian life. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to community, to gathering together and, and um, sharing meals together. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And then it goes on to explain what the impact was. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So you see these practices that they're, 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 they're seeing the apostles work signs and wonders and miracles. And, it, and it's not just the apostles. Eventually it starts to spread out to other believers as well as they begin to follow Jesus. They begin to see the supernatural power of God happening. But they're also practicing generosity. They're, they're selling their possessions. They're sharing with those in their community who have need. They're, there's just great generosity happening among them. They're gathering together for worship in the temple. And they're also gathering in their, in their homes and sharing communion together, and having meals together, and as a result, people are being added to their number daily. New people are getting saved and becoming Christians every single day. It's an amazing start for the early church. An amazing start, but unfortunately, this idyllic community hit a major crisis point not too long after it had begun, when one of their leaders, Stephen, was, uh, was, was attacked, really, for his faith. He was tried, he was convicted, and he was stoned to death. He's the first Christian martyr. And there was something about Stephen's death that just set off a feeding frenzy of persecution. It's like sharks smelling blood in the water, and all of a sudden, 
persecution just spiked up, and, that, and, and, be, and people began to attack the church. And in Acts 8, we read about what happens. He says, after this, a great wave of persecution began that day, the day that Stephen was martyred, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So all the believers that were gathered there in this idyllic community, this amazing community that, that we read about in Acts 2, suddenly they're all scattered out. They're spread out into the different areas of, uh, of the region and beyond. Now, I don't think God ordained this persecution to happen. But I think God used that person because, persecution because what happened was, as they spread out, what did they do? They began to just reproduce these communities all throughout the Roman world. They began to start new churches. And Christianity, which was already growing quickly, began to exponentially grow as they spread out. So God used this persecution to cause the church to grow. And I think it's a great parallel to what we've been through, this crisis we've been through in the last nine months. God is using this situation, which I don't think he caused, but I think he will use it, and he will take what, what is meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. And he's causing the church to go deep, and he's causing the church to go wide. Now, what do I mean by these two statements, deep and wide? Let me kind of explain it a little bit more thoroughly. When I say deep, I mean deeper devotion, deeper discipleship, and deeper community. You see, I think that half-hearted Christianity is not going to cut it anymore. I think in every single one of us, there are places of compromise, places of apathy, places of half in, half out, places where, where we're kind of asleep or just sort of dull or not really caring about the things of God. And, and, and we may have gotten away with that before, but I don't think we're going to get away with it in the future. You see, I believe where we're headed as a culture and where Christianity is at, I think there's a collision course happening. And I believe that it is going to cost us increasingly as, as church and culture, as, as, sorry, as Christianity and culture collide, I think our faith is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something to hold on to our faith in the days ahead. And so half-hearted devotion, half-hearted faith is not going to cut it. We need deep roots. I've spoken about this before. Deep roots that go down into the love of God if we're going to endure. And if you read Psalm 1, it talks all about this tree planted by a stream of water that thrives in every season. And I believe that's God's heart for us. But we've got to go deeper. What works in the past is not going to carry us through the season that's coming ahead of us. And so I believe God is calling us to deeper devotion. What do I mean by that? I, I, I believe it's just going deeper in our love for God, in our relationship with Him, in our union with Him, like I talked about last autumn. I believe it's having a deeper knowledge and understanding of the Word. I believe it's a devotion to prayer like we talked about in Acts. I believe it's, it's this, this love of worship and gathering together to in, be in God's presence. It's a deeper devotion that God is calling us to. And I believe God's calling us to a deeper discipleship as well. I think that, that you know, Ian spoke about, spoke about this. He just finished a great series on discipleship uh, last 
uh, last year. So if you haven't heard that yet, I encourage you to go back and check it out. But deeper discipleship is really about opening your life up to other believers and letting them speak into your life, letting them speak into your, speak into your life to, to help identify areas where your character is falling short of, where, uh, of the, of the uh, character, the example of Jesus. It's about helping you grow in your faith and learn how to live out your faith. And going deeper also means deeper community. And I know I talk about community a lot, but I just, as a pastor, I've seen this pattern over and over again. People that, that uh, become involved in community and invest themselves in church community, their faith thrives. They grow. They make it through the hard seasons. People that isolate themselves, that pull away from community when times get tough, they don't make it. They usually uh, end up falling away from their faith in some way. They fall away from community. They're easy pickings for the enemy. And so it is vital for us to be connected to community. It's more important than ever. It's one of the ironies of the pandemic. We're separated more than ever before, but we need, we've realized as a result that we really need each other. That's why our life groups are so important. And life groups are just a means to an end. What life groups do is they create a, a, a way for us to build relationship with people in the church. And so let me say it to you this way. If you have no meaningful relationship with uh, somebody else in this church, then, then you're not really experiencing that community. You're just maybe consuming content. And listen, we're happy to have you no matter what, where you're at, but we want to invite you to go deeper in community where you can receive the, 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 the strength from the community, and it will help you grow and be transformed. That's the goal of Christianity, is to be transformed, to look different, to become more like Jesus, and community is vital for that. So I believe God is calling us to go deep in devotion, deep in discipleship, and deep in community. But I believe God is also causing us, or ca- calling us to go wide. And what do I mean by wide? I mean, proclaiming the gospel more boldly, just to to put it an easy way. It means proclaiming the gospel more boldly, going outside the the four walls of this church, taking the message and the life that God has in this church and taking it far beyond the boundaries of the four walls of this building into the community. That's what God did with that early church. You know, he, he forced them to get out of that idyllic community in Jerusalem that they had that was described in Acts 2. And he said, listen, this is great, but you can't just stay here. You've got to go. And so he used that persecution to cause people to spread out to the far ends of the Roman Empire and to plant churches all over the place. And as a result, Christianity becomes much more established uh, throughout the Mediterranean. And I think God is using this pandemic in the same way for us. He's causing us to, to push out of where we are normally comfortable. I mean, it's, it is a, and, and the obvious place that we've done this is by taking things online. And I have to say, it's a little weird to me, you know, as, as somebody that's presenting on a regular basis to think, man, this could be watched by anybody in the world at any time. It's, it's a little strange for me. It's a bit uncomfortable for me, if I'm honest. But I believe God is pushing the church into the online world. See, the church has, has had to adapt to, to culture all throughout its 2,000-year history. It adapts to different culture, different places, different situations. And we live in a digital age, so it is a, we have to adapt and adjust to it. 
And I realize that for some, some of you, that is a very natural thing for you to do. You spend most of your life online anyway, and so it's very natural for you to just, you know, you're, you'd probably prefer to do church online. But for others of you, you hate this idea. And, and I get it. You know, maybe technology for you is really, really challenging, and you don't like to do things online. It's just intimidating. And, you know, the idea of, of tuning into something rather than being in person, you just, it's very difficult for you to get your head around. Or, or maybe you just simply prefer being in person, and I get it. And let me just say, we're never going to do away with the in-person aspect of church. But I do believe we must innovate and adapt to the fact that we live in a digital age. If we don't, we're like a retail store that is trying to keep up with Amazon. <laughs> a retail store that has like no online presence trying to keep up with Amazon is probably not going to make it. I think we've all seen over the last nine months that, that Amazon has you know, made our lives a lot easier in some ways. So we have to adapt. We have to, to take what, what, that, what we offer and put it out there for people to consume that, that are, that are not, never going to come to church, whether it's that just church isn't a part of their life or, you know, they're not even in the city. We've got to take it wider. And here's what retail stores have found, those who were kind of ahead of the trend. What they, what they learned was when they did a great job with their website that clicks led to bricks. <laughs> that, in other words, that, that if they invested in having a killer website, that would lead to a much greater physical presence. So I really think the future is both physical and digital, but it's appropriate for us, and we have been kind of forced into taking things online. And you know what? So many of you have already jumped in on that, and, and we have big plans for where this is going to go and, and where we want to take it. And we need your help, you know? We need people that can help us with the technical side of things, with the website, with the streaming. We need online pastors. That's like a whole new category for us. And people that can actually dialogue with, with uh, people that are watching during a service, that can pray for people, people that are available to kind of be online pastors. So if you're interested in that, that, we would love to hear from you. But taking things online is one way that we're going wider. But there's another way, I think, that we're going wider, and that is the decentralizing of ministry. You know, a lot of Christians, we have this mindset that, that ministry is done by people like me, people who stand in pulpits, people who preach, people who work for churches or, or nonprofits that, that help uh, advance the Christian message. And of course, that is one part of ministry, but that is not how the kingdom of God was, was created to function, just this elite group of people who are doing the ministry. No, the people who are leading churches, the way that Ephesians describes uh, church leaders, what their job description is, is to equip the believers for the ministry that they're called to. Our job, my job, is to equip you for what the ministry that God has given you. And by ministry, I don't mean preaching. I mean the, the, the place that God has called you. Now, maybe that's your, you're called right now to be a stay-at-home mom. We want to equip you to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus as a stay-at-home mom to your children, to the people you interact with. Maybe God has called you to be in the business world. We want to equip you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the business world. Maybe God has called you to be um, uh, in the medical world. We want to equip you to be the hands and feet of Jesus there. I could just go on and on and on. But our job is to help you identify what God has called you to do and equip you and help you understand your spiritual giftings so that you can use those not just in a church environment, but in the world. 
And that as a result of that, we're, we're, we're spreading out, we're decentralizing, and we're reaching people far beyond the boundaries of this church. You see, in the midst of this pandemic, what we've learned is, like I said earlier, it's not just the online thing that matters, it's we realize how much we need one another. And all of us have somebody that we're interacting with face-to-face. That's the one thing that, that we have in, as a local church that, that an online-only model doesn't have. We know people's names. We can get in their homes. We can, well, not right now at least, but we can, we can interact with people. We can have face-to-face contact. And that is so, so important. So we want to equip you to do that. We want the church to be a place of equipping, and we're going to be giving a lot more energy in the days ahead to equipping you to carry out the work that you're called to do. So there's four things I want to ask you to do as I close here. Four things that, um, if, if, as, as we look at taking the church deep and wide in 2021, there's four things I want to encourage you to do, because as best we can tell, this pandemic is going to continue to disrupt our lives, at least through Easter. We don't expect to be back to normal until April or May at the earliest. And so what do we do for the next four or five months? We don't just want to hold our breath and wait till things to get back to normal. So I want to encourage you, first of all, to establish a Sunday morning routine for you and for your family. Now, all of us had Sunday morning routines. If you were part of church before the pandemic, uh, they've just been disrupted. But I want to encourage you to find a time, whether it's Sunday morning or sometime consistent time in your week, where you uh, set aside the, the time to join with our church in corporate worship. It's important. It matters. In fact, the Barna Group did a study recently uh, over the course of the pandemic studying people's mental health. And as you might expect, during the course of the pandemic, every category had a, a, a noticeable drop in their mental health that they studied, except for one. And that was people who were engaged with their church or house of worship on a weekly basis. Their mental health improved by four percentage points. So there's something about being involved with the local church on a weekly basis, not every now and then, but a weekly basis. There was, there was no jump for those who were only occasionally involved, but those who were involved on a regular basis, their mental health in the midst of one of the most trying crises of, of our lifetimes has actually improved. And so I want to encourage you to continue to engage with church on a weekly basis and establish a Sunday morning routine for you and for your family. Secondly, uh, I want to encourage you to establish a life group routine. If you're not already part of a life group, it is easier than ever to join a life group. You can, uh, you can just go to our website, go to the life groups page. There's a list of them all there. We've got student groups. We've got uh, family groups and adult groups. And, and I just encourage you to jump in. Just message the leaders. They'll send you a link to Zoom, and you can jump in. And yes, it'll be a little awkward at first, but you'll get over it. I promise you it works. Third, I want to encourage you to find a place to serve. You know, that's just part of being a part of the church is looking for a place to use your gifts to help advance the kingdom of God in and through this church. And we have all kinds of needs right now. Places where, you know, whether it's administration or technical things, like I mentioned earlier, we need pastors. We need people to help uh, uh, care for the poor and needy in our city. And if you don't know where to serve, then just contact us as leaders. We will, we will be, <laughs> find a place for you to jump in. And maybe you'll jump in and find out that's not a good fit for you. Well, that's okay. Then, we'll, then we've learned something and we can find something, a, a better place for you to use the gifts that God has given you. 
And lastly, we want to encourage you to pray for the church on a daily basis. We want you to pray that we would proclaim the gospel as we should. We want you to pray that that the power of God would be manifest in all that we're doing, in our services, in our life groups, in the equipping that we're doing, in the outreach that we're doing, that we would see people being added to to our church daily who are being saved. We want to see the kingdom of God come in and through this church, and we want you to pray that we would go deeper and wider in 2021. Those are things that, that we believe that every person that's a part of this church can do. If you consider this to be Antioch to be your church, if you're a member here, then those are things that I want you to incorporate into your life in this year. So to come back to where we started with this Japanese tsunami and uh, Raichi Sakamoto, who went to view this piano, The documentary shows him, he comes and he sits down at this piano and he just gently lays his hands on the keys. And there's this hush that falls over the room as they wait to hear what he's going to play and just takes a deep breath and he begins to play just a few simple chords. And it's out of tune and it sounds a little off, but in another sense, it sounds beautiful. And I think that's a picture for us to take hope from. I think Jesus is saying to us, church, you may feel waterlogged, you may feel warped, you may feel like you don't have much to offer, but if you're willing to let me use you, then I can produce beauty out of all that, all that brokenness, all the chaos that's happened. I can create beauty out of you. So this isn't the time to shrink back. This is the time to press in. This is the time for us to go deeper and wider in 2021. Now to wrap up the message today, I've asked Lauren to uh, conclude us. She's got a couple of things that she was sensing from God in prayer, so she's going to conclude. Great. Well, good to see you all again. And just going to conclude just with a few uh, words that I feel like are for our church specifically. Um, We've entered into a new era And um, on January 1st, the headlines, uh, the BBC said, Brexit, new era for UK as it completes separation from European Union. But what stood out to me was new era for the UK. And that is what we have entered into um, in church history and in history. God is doing a new thing. And so in the midst of what Todd has been sharing today, Um, I just want to encourage you to jump into what God is doing because we need all hands on deck. This is a time for us to not be half-hearted in any way. Um, I just want to remind you of the verse from Isaiah 43. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And so in order for us to enter into this new thing of what God's doing, and in order for us to uh, fully engage and not be half-hearted, I want to encourage you to be intentional in your walk with Jesus this year. So Todd talked about going deep and going wide. So what does that mean to go deep just on a really practical level? I just want to say be intentional in your journey with God and do a heart analysis. And so, listen, if there is pain and grief from this last year, 
be aware of that and do what you need to find healing and wholeness. Bring in community. If there's offense in your heart towards other people, make it right. If there's offense in your heart towards God, work it through. Bring in community. Talk it through. Pray it through. Don't let anything in your heart or in your life hold you back from the new thing that God's wanting to do in and through you. If there's fear, work it out. If there's, if there's pain, if there's skepticism or apathy, then I just want you to be aware of those things, acknowledge them, bring in community, and walk it through so that you can step into the new thing that God has for you. So go deep in your walk with God. Be intentional and own it. Um, but the second thing that Todd mentioned of going wide, um, God gave me a word personally that I just want to I want to share with you because I think it's for the church as well. He said to me, Lauren, I'm calling you to live from the inside out. And for me, this meant a lot of things, but it meant that um, he was calling me to step into things that I normally would never do. So this last year, I, I've done a lot of things that two years ago, three years ago, I would never have done. Because why? Because I'm stepping into the new thing that God has for me. And as a church... He wants us also to live from the inside out. That's what Todd was talking about in going wide. And so I just want to encourage you with that. I just feel like there are, there are people in various different categories that God wants to uh, speak to. And so I just have four things I'm also just going to share briefly that, that um, I just want you to listen because this is from God's heart to you. And there may be one of these things that stand out to you. Um, and then I'm going to conclude in prayer. So for some of you, I feel like God is saying this. My children, I have placed within you dreams that you have held inside for a long time. But now is the time to pursue them. You've been waiting for a green light. But I say that the time is now. The light is green. Do not wait any longer for permission from someone. Because my spirit is enabling you to walk out by faith what I have instilled inside of you. There are others, and God is saying this, don't look to the left or to the right to see what others are doing. This is the time to run your race. So get out of the starting blocks and start running. This is your race, and I am your reward. I do not compare your race to others' races, and neither should you. I want you to celebrate the race that I've called you to run. And finally, God says, today I've opened a door for you to walk by faith into your promised land. This is a time of turnover where you're turning over a new leaf and stepping into new assignments, things that you didn't think your life would look like, but I'm leading you into. So for some of you, if that resonated with you, I want you to receive that today as a promise for God as you look ahead into going deeper and going wider. So I'm just going to conclude in a prayer right now, a prayer of consecration. We like to do this with our family at the beginning of the year. We consecrate. We, we set aside the year, give it to the Lord, and invite him in to lead us and guide us. So let's pray together. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. God, forgive us where we have held back our hearts and our lives from you. Help us to be wholehearted in our devotion to you. We consecrate this year to you. We give you permission to lead us, to challenge us, to overwhelm us with your love. Help us to go deeper and wider than we have ever been before. In your name, amen.
Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.